All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. For the first time since John F. Kennedy was president, 1962 to be exact, the Detroit Lions are 8-2, and and they did it in dramatic fashion on Sunday. And needless to say, the kneecap-biting Dan the Man Campbell was just a wee bit excited after the dub. find a way to win. They freaking came out and they fought us, but we fought harder. And we went and got the win. That's outstanding. That's division win number two. I got one game ball. All right, hey, listen, to make the rally that we did and to come back, man, we needed some stops. We get the stops offense. We go down, we strike. We need another stop, we get the stop. Hutch, where you at, brother? I'm so proud of everybody, man. Yeah. We got the shit done. Man, I'm, I'm really excited about this year. I'm really excited about this year. I think we're going to do some special shit, especially yeah. with the adversity we just dealt with, how we overcame it, man. So to keep pushing week by week. Let's go. Listen, it's been a long Dan time. Dan wants to call him son so badly. Yeah. It's unbelievable. He wa- he looked at him with a tear in his eye and said, son, get up here. That <laughs> seems like the per- We talked about it when they picked him dad two overall, but what a perfect meathead pairing. Dan Campbell yeah. should probably win yeah. meathead of the year. I think we need to sanction that award around here and just to give it to Dan Campbell. I, I'm not gonna lie, though. That was the game ball he gave Dayton Hutchinson. Was that is that that's what I, I got out of that, right? Yeah. How how it wasn't given to David Montgomery, I have no idea. Oh. David Montgomery was a Chicago Bear. David Montgomery averaged over six yards to carry Revenge and game. scored the game-winning touchdown for the Lions over the team he played for last year. I don't know how. I love Dan Campbell. That's the first mistake I've seen him make in a while, that David Montgomery didn't get that game ball right there. 
It's because, again, he's all hopped up on meathead juice after that game there. That that was like when Will Ferrell blacked out in the debate in old school. Dan Campbell blacked out in that locker room. He has no idea what happened there. And he just realized, oh, I need to give this game ball to my son because I love him and he's gone out here and done meathead (laughs) things for me. You're right, though. David Montgomery revenge game. Absolutely huge stock up there. Dan, were you worried at all about the Jared Goff that we saw in this game? Because it seemed like we finally got a little bit of a taste of – hey, this is the Jared Goff that they moved on from with the Los Angeles Rams. The three interceptions in this game that looked like they were going to be the thing that ultimately undid them against Justin Fields' return for the Chicago Bears, I think is a reminder of there is a ceiling with Jared Goff. Like, I I think for all the conversation we've had about Ben Johnson and what they've done with him and if anything's changed, I don't think ultimately, Dad, in meaningful moments when we get to it, you've got a drastically different Jared Goff. And to be clear, the Jared Goff you have is capable of getting you to a Super Bowl. Like, in the right circumstances, he can be a quarterback that does that, but asking him to transcend, I think, still be might might be outside of his purview. It might be it might be tough. Uh, I would agree with that. But now it was against the Bears. I was pretty impressed. Now remember, they were down two scores, 26-14 with four minutes to go in the game. And they were able to come back and win this one. So there is a value to that, much like CJ Stroud and Houston, who They've been incredible this year. And it was the Cardinals, the 2-1 team they did it to. But he overcoming three interceptions and that team being able to win that game. I like things like that, right, that you're able to overcome. And this one didn't look good for Detroit for a while. And you give the Bears credit for jumping out the way they did. So while golf can hurt you and put you into trouble, he can also help and get you out of trouble as well. And remember, the game tonight, should the Eagles lose to the Chiefs, Detroit and Philadelphia are tied for the best record in the NFC. It's amazing. I love this world we live in. No, it really is. Emerson brought up the propaganda about the Jacksonville Jaguars earlier in the show, but looking and seeing the 7-3 Jags, the 8-2 Lions, Dad, these franchises that have historically been, especially in recent history, doormats for a lot of other teams going out and being able to accomplish. We talked about this last week for the Lions to all of a sudden be winning these close games. I am sure Dan Campbell's excited because when he first got here, these were all the games that they lost in primetime. They were the almost Lions. They were the close Lions. They were horseshoes and hand grenades and now they're actually going and capping it off in wins and so dad jared goff and and cj stroud is actually a very interesting comp not just because offensively we see maybe some similar things with you know how much they line up under center how much it actually looks like some of the older offense they got good coordinators and bobby slowick and ben johnson but i still think cj stroud the magic for him has been what he's been doing creating off schedule and i still think that's something that is the lesser of the skill set for jared goff if we're going to compare and contrast both of those yeah. quarterbacks and we've seen so much more of jared that we feel like we know that right now we feel like that's been reinforced and so it was always going to take more for him to overcome that but you're right in that he's good enough to be the quarterback on this team when they've got the rest of the war machine up and humming that can absolutely take them to the places they want to go. So they play their normal Thanksgiving game uh, this week against the Packers, a 4-6 and six team. And then they play the Saints, and then they play the Bears again. So, I mean, it is, it is definitely in the favor of Detroit the way they're playing right now, though it was just a tough game with Chicago. I, I Personally, I don't think the next one will be as close. But uh, they, they're, they're on a bit of a roll and can continue that roll. 
What'd you make of Justin Fields in this game, Dad? His first return, we had seen Tyson Bagent staying in for him while he had had the hand injury. Grip strength had been the question for him coming back and when he was going to get back on the field. Finishes 16 to 23 for 169 yards, which doesn't seem to or feel like it blows anyone out of the water. But Dad, also, they used him a ton as a designed rusher in this game. I believe at least 14 of his 18 carries in this game were designed rushes. Had over 100 yards rushing in the game and it looked like the full tool belt back on display for him deep passing working outside the pocket and as a rusher we said for Justin Fields keeping his job in Chicago based on where they're going to pick in the draft feels like an uphill battle right now but as far as him whether it's with Chicago or another team right now coming out after injury and having that kind of performance against this Detroit Lions team that has to be stock up for Justin Fields no matter how you slice it. Oh, there's no doubt it's stock up for him. It's just a matter of, is it a foregone conclusion already in the minds of the Bears? And they came out and said it would. one of these college quarterbacks would have to blow them away. But what else are they going to say publicly? They're not going to say, yeah, you know, we're kind of sure. looking at this. They're, they're going to be behind their guy until they're not behind their guy. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think Justin Fields is in a big-time uphill battle. I think this was a good game for him coming back. I was all for him not getting traded and being the quarterback of the team this year to see where it was going to go. And it's kind of wishy-washy right now and where it is going to go. But as long as he doesn't get injured, he has a number of games to continue to show whether it's passing, we know he can run the ball, but when you get the mixture of the two, if he is the quarterback, I don't know if we'll see the same offensive coordinator back. That would be interesting if Luke Getze is back, just like in Pittsburgh. Is Matt Canada going to be back? Going to be interesting some of the changes that go on a little more behind the scenes than head coach and quarterback. But I think right now he's still fighting an uphill battle, but he certainly didn't hurt himself yesterday by any stretch. No, it was really impressive. And when you consider that was his first action coming back from an injury, all the more so. And I'm with you. The future of this coaching staff is going to be in question for most of the year. I think the one thing that's not in question is whoever's at quarterback and who's ever coaching next year, DJ Moore is, man, everything yeah. you hoped he would be as far as bringing him over in that trade with Carolina. And I heard them mention the way that that staff talks about him. I'd be very curious whether it's Luke Getze or another staff coming in here they talk and say they talk about him like a running back once you get the ball in his hands there we after after Debo Samuel started to have his role in this 49ers offense that he did people started trying to talk about Debo Samuel types and those are types that don't really exist that's a rare skill set where you can do all those things I do wonder if someone might start to give DJ Moore that little bit more varied role in a lot of those same gadget ways inside of an offense because of his unique skill set when you get the ball into his hands what he can do after the catch each and every time so just an interesting thing to kind of keep an eye on for a Bears team that is just really in evaluation mode I think as much as anything yeah. else sitting here at three and eight right now and dad they're not the only one so mm. Emerson yesterday for a couple of teams yeah. felt like a rubber meets the oh, road boy. conversation in terms of the future of their coaches and I don't know, Emerson, if there was anyone feeling more of the heat than Brandon Staley. Yeah, dude, let me tell you what. So the Packers entering yesterday had lost five of six games, and the one win was against a quarterback who currently is not on the team they beat, which is Brett Rippon with the Rams, all right? So Green Bay, of course, beats the Chargers and Brandon Staley, who some say it's not an overreaction to say that the dude needs to be fired, and he was obviously feeling the heat after that last 
that loss to the Packers. A little angry exchange here with a reporter. I have full confidence, like I t- I've told you, and like I've told you from the beginning, I have full confidence in our way of playing. Full confidence in myself as the play caller, in the way that we teach, in the way that we scheme. Full confidence in that. we got to bring this group together and do it consistently. Okay? And that's where it's at. So you can stop asking that question. Okay? I'm going to be calling the defenses. Okay? So we're clear. So you don't have to ask that again. The Chargers have five losses by three or fewer points this season. Nobody else in the NFL has more than two here, Junior. Perhaps the Chargers, though, can have a late-season spark with another coach. Ask the Raiders how that's working out. Yeah, Dad, that's unfortunately going to be the conversation for the remainder of the year for the Chargers is if or when they're going to pull the plug on this. Because when you allow Jordan Love, who has struggled for a lot of this season in terms of developing the passing attack for them, when you have the Jordan Love career day, 27 of 40 for 322 and two touchdowns, that's going to prompt a lot of soul searching, especially on the back end of that defense that dad, we know had the injury to Joey Bosa yesterday up front in a front seven that actually did a decent job stopping the run. Ultimately, that team with all the preponderance of names that we know in star power has yet to live up to it in a meaningful way and that felt like a coach who understands and has heard the buzz and the rumors about his getting fired do you think they pulled the trigger on it this week um i i think it's soon because what what you do and and emerson brings up the point you get kind of a raider situation now what i don't know we what we do know is how it was in that raiders locker room with josh mcdaniels right really long meetings i mean the 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 attitude was horrible from everybody in there and it was like a breath of fresh air when antonio pierce took over a player you know former player players were all behind it i don't know what the situation is with brandon staley in that locker room as far as how different it would be if you have an interim head coach uh that would take over at this point but the bottom line is when you're a certain side of the ball head coach That's the side of the ball the expectation is to be really good. And then you hire somebody to take care of the other side. Brandon Staley is a defensive person. And right now their defense is second worst in the league. Their offense is right outside the top 10, I think, at number 11. And I don't blame him to say, I'm going to keep calling plays. We're going to keep doing it my way. If I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired doing it my way. I'm going to get fired making the calls that I want to make. But he has to know the writing is on the wall. And he's I, I we, we never like calling for anybody's job, but this seems like it's going to be a foregone conclusion, and it's just a matter of when. One of the things you do while you do it during the season is not only for that spark, and like I said, it got so bad with the Raiders that they felt like they had to do it, was you can start looking for a new coach. You're a lot, you know, you publicly can be doing that. Now, who you look for, if they already have a job, you have to kind of do certain back back channels and such, but you can openly be looking for a head coach. So I think that would be one of the, the main reasons uh, to do that is to be out front in looking for your next coach. Well, and usually I think it's framed as some accountability too, right? He is the defensive play caller. So the defensive woes are on him in addition to everything else that happens as a head coach. And he said he accepts that. Now, I'm not going to pin the drops from yesterday on him or some of the offensive miscues necessarily because we know that's not his fault. Keenan Allen dropping a wide open touchdown, looking back into the sun in the middle of the end zone in a way that's just not emblematic of who he is, but is sort of where this team's at right now, Dad. It's in disarray. Kellen Moore was supposed to be this thing that helped jumpstart a team 
team with all this talent that if they stayed healthy which is the Chargers question every year we ask and every year that gets answered by no they will not stay healthy ultimately we've wound up in this spot where they're walking into a situation dad where i wonder if it's just going to get too ugly for them to ignore because they play the ravens on sunday night football this weekend and that doesn't seem like the get right recipe Mm -hmm. for anybody to try and save their job so very worried about that but probably not as worried as i would be if i was ron rivera with the washington commanders dad because that quietly was the ugliest football game of the weekend. We've had this conversation a couple of times trying to call that shot going into the weekend. You had one quarterback, and we've talked about, Thomas DeVito, sacked nine times, still threw multiple touchdown passes, lives with his parents, huge legend, wildly (laughs) Italian NFL quarterback. But on the other side, you had a team of the Washington Commanders that sacked the opposing quarterback nine times and yeah. lost the game. Like, dead. you were on a great defense that had a lackluster <laughs> offense at times in Philadelphia. I don't know if you guys had a game where you got nine sacks and somehow lost. And this is after, by the way, at the trade deadline, you gave away your two best pass rushers, or at least your yeah. exterior pass rushers here. You've still got really good defensive tackles, but nine sacks after at the deadline, jettisoning two of your better players, and the offense still couldn't go out there and stop turning the ball over long enough to win the game dad I, I don't know what you do at this point but it certainly does well, seem like eric Bieniemy, who has been looking for an nfl head coaching job for a long time right now and is going to be sitting there as the offensive coordinator might be in line to at least put the interim yeah. tag in front of his name soon because it is getting ugly in our nation's capital again another defensive coach in ron rivera and a defense that's fourth worst in the league overall so again there's more to just that number i get but still and to me that defense the last three years has been underachieving, last three or four years. There's been one year where they played better. Um, but for the most part, they've stacked it pretty well, especially on that D-line. And now they gave up on that by trading Sweat and Young away. Uh, but the, on paper, they, they looked like they would have that defense, and it just hasn't come to fruition. And again, he's a defensive coach. But I'll always say, just like I'll say with Staley, you're also not the coach out on the field. You're not the one missing plays and not getting it done on the field. So there's culpability for the players as well. But you're always talking about your coaches putting you in the best position uh, to be able to win and for the offense there Biennemi has that offense just outside the top 10 again overall with a quarterback who who has to ice down his entire body after every game because he's getting smacked around like I, I think him and Shador Sanders they could have a whole lot to commiserate about after the season about how much they've been hit throughout the year well they were all icing down actually their bodies after that game because the hot water system <laughs> failed in all the locker rooms after that Giants-Commanders game, and everyone was forced to take ice-cold showers. Oh! Yeah. That stadium just needs to oh. be torn down to the ground. Isn't there There's something that's always happening to it, like piece of it, pieces of it like fall <laughs> off and almost hit players? Like, it's crazy. I was going to say, it almost took out Jalen Hurts yeah. the other year when he was going right. by out the tunnel. I think that's the stadium that's also had like the weird sewer water yes. leaking yeah, from yeah. the top in Disgusting. it. Disgusting. So, Fecal matter everywhere. Yeah. FedEx Field, oh. which yeah. Yeah, has long been a candidate, and we've seen the local politics there trying to get a new stadium around there. But the ice-cold shower after a loss, you want to talk about adding insult to injury. Yes, I don't know about you guys. I've seen all of, like, I don't know if it's Goggins or any of those dudes that are like social media fitness influencers – 
who try and tell you to take the cold shower to start your day. I can't do it. I yeah. am soft. I'm a little beta boy, Damn. if that's what that means. But I am not a cold shower guy, Dad. I can't do it. I won't do it. So, I'll start my day with something else, but that's not how dude, I'm going to choose to introduce myself Billy, to the world. Billy, behind the camera here in studio, came in this morning and was like, I'm doing this military shower strategy now every morning. He gets in a cold shower for 30 seconds. He gets out, brushes his teeth. Get back in for 30 seconds. Then you get back out and you do something and you get back in and take a normal shower. I don't know. It's really weird and confusing. Yeah, I'm not doing that either. Um, <laughs> Mike, Mike, let me ask you. So a game ends. We're all sweaty and stinky. You taking the cold shower or are you just toweling off and putting no. a lot of deodorant on? Oh, no, I'm still getting wet enough to take a shower after the game. Like I saw, no. I think it was um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, on Pardon My Take, talking about how he went two weeks in training camp once trying to challenge himself by not taking a shower. Okay. Oh. I, I don't know for the rest of you, like in the skinnier crowd, and Ryan Fitzpatrick certainly qualifies in yeah. that. I sweat too much as a fat guy to be able to pull that off. You and mom go and work out, and then we'll just sit around at home for hours in your own stink yeah. and not be bothered by it. I got to shower right away. I am covered in salt and disgust. I will, I will say this. I've gone through stretches recently, and I work out quite a bit. I sweat quite a bit. I've gone through stretches recently where I haven't showered for multiple days, but, you know, a little wet cloth to the nooks and crannies where the odor oh would exist. That's That's tough. fine. What? Yeah. Is that fine? No. Is it? Is it no, really it's not fine? fine? It is fine. No, My wife does complain fine. sometimes. Yes. Well, yeah, as she should, and your dog should run from you. <laughs> Don't you say that? You keep their names out of your mouth. <laughs> I was gonna say, the, if based on that, the only person getting less action at home than Tommy DeVito right now is Emerson. <laughs> Stop. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed's scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. All right, tonight... 
game of the week, week 11 around the NFL. A Super Bowl rematch? Yeah, possibly a Super Bowl preview, what we're going to see in Vegas in a few months. It's the Eagles at the Chiefs. Now, I can confirm, go Joe, that Taylor Swift won't be at this game. She's got a show tonight in Brazil. But there are rumors going around as well that the parents will be meeting still. But... Guys, we talked about it on the show yesterday on The Sweat, which you can see 8 to 10 Eastern time on the weekend, DraftKings Network and VEASAN. Is it weird to have the parents meeting, like, for the first time without her there? No, I think that plays. Uh, I I think at this point, this is already a relationship that's got some legs that we think has been going on for a little while here. And so I think the parents meeting still in an environment that has plenty of activities because dad for the first meetup here you don't want it to just be in some sterile living room where they got to sit there it's nice to have something else for them to watch something for them to commiserate over some other people there in the box so i think this is actually the perfect we talked about first date ideas there was that list that those people put out about bad first date ideas and they said a sporting event was one of them i think for a parental first date where you've got a meeting like this a sporting event is actually the perfect backdrop Unless unless it goes bad for what what if Travis Kelsey has a bad game? Well, dude, dude, I'm glad you mentioned that. Like the the stats speak for themselves here, senior. Like he, you look on paper, I think there's four games he's played with her. There's four games he's played without her. And the games, so he's got two touchdowns in both scenarios. But the games with her there, he has like. 300 more receiving yards and like another 15 or 20 receptions as well. Like I, he steps it up. He brings his game up. I, Go ahead. I, I don't care about her being there. That, that's not my point of her being there. To me, that means nothing. I mean, his travel to, to South America, the travel, you know, there last, and back. That, that was last week, right? No, I know. I understand that. But, but don't think it can't have an effect. That's my point. Hmm. That w- w- will people make, a, make something out of that when you have a bye week and everybody thinks you should be resting your body? That's what the bye week's for. He's traveling. I, I, I don't buy into all that garbage about whether she's there, whether she's not there. Really? I mean, it's great. I, I, again, I love all that. Yeah, mm. w- whatever. Yeah, um, I can say you're, <laughs> you're just flying in the face of numbers right yeah, now. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, oh, apparently, okay. you know, like math right. here because the math Perce- says Taylor plus minus 300 oh, so yards. Proceed, proceed with caution here. But this, at the same time, she's not there. Go, Joe. Like, imagine no. if you were actually well, I would dating also someone. Say, I would also would- say with this. I would also say with this, though, to Dad's point about the bye week thing, Dad, in all seriousness, you don't buy into that, do you? I mean, we had the weird narrative where the guys in New York were getting on Zach Wilson for going home during the bye and picking apples with his girlfriend. Like, you played <laughs> nine years in the NFL. You know plenty of guys do different things with their bye week. Some guys go home and try and get away for a little bit during that time period there. Travis's travel was a little bit more extensive, and people might make something out of that, but that guy's a future Hall of Famer who knows how to handle his business. So I struggle to look at this and say that's something that I'm actually going to believe has an effect on the outcomes. I have zero worries about it. But my I, what I asked is, will that talk start? Okay. That's my point. What, what, will, are people, if he doesn't have a good game, God forbid it's a Philadelphia Eagle defense, which is a pretty good defense, by the way, uh, that all of a sudden they say, oh, he's traipsing, traipsing around. You can already read the headlines, right? Traveling around the world to see his girlfriend when he's not focusing enough on his football. You know that's coming if he doesn't play well. Didn't and, he and go I to a World Series game this year? 
I think he went to a World Series game. Um, one yeah, he went to a ran- – He did. That, that, to me, is the most random bit of, tra- of Travis Kelsey travel, by the way, is the one random Rangers World Series game that he went to with seemingly no connection to anybody yeah. involved that I could find or ascertain then. Guys, all this is the backdrop, though, and, and I want to, like, stop for a second and take a minute to fully acknowledge. In the middle of November, we've got a Super Bowl rematch on Monday yeah. Night Football. It's awesome. Like this, we do not cool. feel like we've been blowing this game up nearly enough as a sports watching world. There were some other good games and interesting headlines going into the NFL weekend. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills coming off the firing of Ken Dorsey, coming back out and getting a win. That looked like something interesting. We've talked about some of the coaches on the hot seat. We've talked about uh, you know the Dallas Cowboys railroading over the Carolina Panthers again and looking pretty good. Jacksonville and Detroit, everything they've done. You've got a Super Bowl rematch between two teams that people largely consider the two consensus best in the NFL right now with a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes who's the current best quarterback in the NFL until further notice and Jalen Hurts who's been an MVP candidate the last two seasons it's insane that we're getting this on Monday Night Football and I am so excited for this game whether or not Taylor Swift is going to be there which I would prefer her be there because again we know Travis Kelsey's superpowers fully activate then <laughs> but dad this is wild that we're getting this kind of quality matchup here for someone that's called multiple you know Sunday Night Football games all season long did a couple of Monday Nighters this is far and away the best primetime game we've got on paper this season on paper without question and everybody will look at obviously Mahomes and Hertz and Travis Kelsey and AJ Brown as well they should and, and other stars as well you know where I'm focusing Mike I'm focusing where you and I played think of these matchups mm-hmm. Tooney Humphrey Smith left guard center right guard Fletcher Cox Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, defensive interior lineman for the Eagles. That, you want to talk about battles within battles. I am so looking forward to that combination of players all hitting each other for basically 70 or 75 plays for the game. I know we'll get our big plays on the, and I, I understand that, we'll cover all of it, but but there is something about controlling the middle. We always talk about the defense. Control the middle all the way back. The middle from the, on the line to the middle of the field <clears throat> to the middle of the secondary. And this matchup, this could be the best interior offensive line in the league. And you would say that maybe about the, the Eagles as well, except they have replaced their right guard. So I would give the edge probably to Kansas City on the interior line, uh, just the interior line in this as well. But th- these are the matchups Mike I'm really looking forward to well I think to that point Cam Jurgens was back at practice who was supposed to be the starter there so uh I, I yeah um yeah I think he should be back for the game tonight if I'm seeing the practice reports right from this week but dad the Eagles offensive line probably is the best in the NFL overall and they've got the most unique weapon in the mm-hmm. sport in the brotherly shove and so on both sides because this Kansas City defense not so quietly has been the story yeah. of the season so That's far the for better them. group the on every level Patrick Mahomes admits hasn't played its best football yep. and is trying to go out there and find that week after week and dad has a great opportunity to I think outside of the matchups in the trenches that we're talking about which are very exciting on both sides of the ball the secondary for the Philadelphia Eagles during the bye had to be a big focus. We know that last outing against the Dallas Cowboys, they were on the move of the ball ton. Kevin Byard comes over at the trade deadline. It's another week for him to get more comfortable in the surroundings. We saw them get a little bit of dinged up at the end of that Cowboys game with Bradbury and Slay. And so that matchup between them and this Kansas City Chiefs passing attack that's still looking for the down-in, down-out compliment to Travis Kelsey in that passing game has a real opportunity to try and get right against an Eagles second 
secondary yep. that's been searching for answers itself this season. Yep, they have. The Eagles against the run have been pretty good. They have struggled against the pass. And the Chiefs the Chiefs defense overall ranks higher than Philadelphia, but they've been struggling a little bit against the run. So we'll see where each team attacks here. You expect the stars to be great here, but you always wait for that other person. What other person, maybe not one of the stars, is going to step up in this game? Because you know Travis gets his. You know A.J. Brown gets his. Turnovers become the factor again. You know you'll see the brotherly shove. And if remember Kansas City – don't jump. If you're in the second position linebacker, do not leave your feet. You will just ride the wave. And could you imagine, I mean, if you just put Chris Jones right over Jason Kelsey and the matchup that is for Jason Kelsey every single time they run one of these friggin' plays of how that has to make them shorter and shorter. But you keep waiting for somebody to defense this play. You talk about riding the wave here, senior. Andy Reid's riding the wave after a bye week we hear this yeah. every year man that record after a bye every week year. with him a pristine 21 and 3 during his 24 seasons as head coach so he was 13 and 1 after a bye as a member of the eagles 8 and 2 now as a member and the coach of the chiefs Yep, it is uh, one of the surest bets in sports there. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs at home <laughs> giving three in this game. Dad, I'm inclined to take the Chiefs and the points here. I think this is a big opportunity for them. Their other biggest matchup of the season at home was opening night against the Detroit Lions. They lost that one with two of their best players gone. I think those guys back in the lineup, they get it done tonight against this Philadelphia Eagles team. What about you? I'm going with the Eagles in this one. I'm still waiting for them to really rely on somebody else other than Travis Kelsey. It's Rasheed Rice, the rookie right now, but can it be somebody else? All right, so talking college football now and Michigan winning its 1,000th game in program history. No, Coach Harbaugh was not on the sideline. No, he will not be there again when Michigan battles Ohio State next weekend. But following this dub, yes, offensive coordinator and acting head coach Sheryl Moore mentioning how maybe they should have worked Coach Harbaugh into this pick. First, we need to um, edit Coach in there. Uh, there's enough <laughs> technology in the world today that we can get that done. So we can do that. Um, but, I mean, just it's historic to be a part of this this university this place um, this team so really cool just to be a part of it um, the guys are just ecstatic uh, to get that thousands win but they all knew exactly what time it was right after that they all know uh, what what's ahead so i'm super excited for that challenge i love again how this team continues to act like harbaugh died He's just <laughs> serving a suspension here, people. Like, the shirts, the signs, it is, everything. It, it's ridiculous, Mike. Yeah, it's it's been defiance every which way. People were making fun of them for having the um, Michigan flags that they used to block yeah. the sky cam from looking into yeah. their huddle, which I know Michigan fans have posted all the screenshots that they do that at certain stadiums in the past year. We're not letting the truth get in the way of a good joke here. It still <laughs> looked weird and pretentious given the circumstances right now. But, uh, Dad, they get that win – 
it is interesting in a world post 2020 where we did all those cardboard cutouts that they didn't have a cardboard Jim Harbaugh ready for yeah. that photo there. That seems like a really you fail, fail to prepare, you prepare to fail type moment for a team that got every bit that they could from Maryland in that game, Dad. That Maryland passing attack to Leah Tungavailoa to his younger yeah. brother was shredding that Michigan secondary for large portions of this game in what seemed like a classic look ahead, Dad. Like, I'm not going to use that necessarily to overall change my thoughts on Michigan, even though the AP did in this last poll. They put Ohio State now one spot above Michigan in the latest round of the AP poll and dropped Michigan down to three ahead of the game. Yeah, which means nothing uh, because they'll face each other, obviously, on the field. And and if that defensive secondary got ripped up a little bit, hey, say hello to Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, I mean, my God, it's going to be it's going to be really, really interesting. But real quick, going back to the thousand wins, just for for everybody's edification, Michigan now has the most wins of any college team with one thousand. Next is Ohio State nine sixty three, Alabama nine sixty two, Texas nine forty five, Notre Dame nine forty five as well. Those are the top five in college football all time. Everybody has played in the area of thirteen hundred and twenty five to thirteen hundred eighty some games. So in the area of the same amount of game. So Michigan first to a thousand. So congrats to them. And I agree with Sean. I mean with the modern technology, you'll be able to put, you know, Harbaugh in that picture. And I don't and I don't care. I hope they do. I put them in there. Absolutely. Probably not the time if you're Michigan to be talking about using technology to put people in places they're not supposed <laughs> to be, given the backdrop of the yeah. season, I'm just saying. That's yeah, my that's own true. free advice there, but what do I know? I'm not a Photoshop expert, and I'm not endorsed for it on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. So that's we'll have true. plenty of time to talk about that game in the lead-up and Jim Harbaugh not going to be on the sideline for that now. We saw last week that after Michigan made the announcement that they're no longer going to be pursuing that injuncture, they accepted the Big Ten's uh, come down there, that we saw their linebacker coach get fired uh, in a way that was cryptic and did not offer a lot there. And so it seemed that we were right, Dad, in looking at that situation and saying there was probably something they found in getting ready for that yep. court hearing that they knew could be more trouble for them if they kept barking up this tree with the Big Ten. Now the NCAA, they still have to contend with, but they decided to saw off their arm to save the rest of their body because they knew what was coming down the pipes in terms of that firing so they avoid that now in the big 10 but that means jim harbaugh in addition to not being in the class picture for win 1000 will also not be in the class picture for whatever happens this weekend against ohio state we'll have plenty more time to get into that the fallout from michigan and yet another round of weirdness with them what the actual game will look like between them and ohio state but dad i do want to get to this i know we usually do a lot of college football on a tuesday and not monday but the jordan travis injury uh, to Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis, a gruesome leg injury in their win against North Alabama, has really changed a lot of the feel around what can happen at the end of this college football season. First and foremost, Jameis Winston gave a beautiful speech talking about how he was thinking about Jordan Travis at that time. Jameis was back having his jersey retired at Florida State, but certainly want to echo all thinking and praying for Jordan Travis, who's been a sensational yeah. story at Florida State and player for them. Uh, just do not watch the injury if you haven't seen it. Uh, uh, it looked really bad for his lower leg. He's not going to be back out there for the rest of this season. And so, Dad, now this team has a really interesting problem on its hands on its own because they were a team that looked like a CFP favorite, undefeated in the ACC, getting ready to take on a Florida Gators team that just gave Missouri hell this last weekend. So that's not a foregone conclusion. And even if they were to get past that, Dad, now faces Louisville, who notches their place in the ACC championship with a win this last weekend. 
uncertain future for the ACC dad that feels like that could have been the death knell for the conference in terms of their college football playoff hopes so bottom line here is I I think we know that if they go undefeated if they win these next two games beat Florida and Louisville they're going to be in undefeated they're going to be in whether they have their top quarterback or not to win these two games would be pretty impressive they're going to be undefeated they're going to be in if you start talking about a loss somewhere um, and you still have a one win ACC champ, whether it's now if they lose to Florida, they're still in the ACC championship game, correct? Uh, playing Louisville, I believe. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, and and then, then you have a one loss ACC team, whether it's Florida State or whether it's Louisville, who's playing some ball and sitting there at number nine. I think, unfortunately, Mike, they could be a conference that could be left out because as much as whatever you want to tell 13 human beings about looking forward to something, if, if, if Florida State is a one-loss team with other one-loss teams vying for that fourth spot or one of the top four spots, you're a human being. You have to realize they don't have their starting quarterback, one of the stars of their team, and how that could hurt them. Uh, in the final four and and the committee is supposed to look at that thing it's a human committee so they're taking into account who is available to you who's injured in certain games and certainly that is a bit of what's to come for this football team but I'm with you dad if you end up with a one loss ACC champion they're not getting in barring some things happening in other spots because you would either potentially have an undefeated Washington is your Pac-12 champ or a one-loss Oregon avenging their only loss of the season provided they get through Oregon State this weekend. But I'm saying if you play out the eventualities, if you were to have one-loss conference champion in the ACC versus a one-loss conference champion or a no-loss conference champion in the Pac-12 and a one-loss conference champion Texas in the Big 12, both of those teams are getting in over a one-loss ACC champion based on what the committee's already told us about how they feel about Florida State through this point of the season. Absolutely agree. What a monkey wrench to be thrown in if Alabama just kind of gliding along were to knock off Georgia in the SEC championship game. Then it's Georgia with a loss, Alabama with a loss, but beating the top team. Then you could have, you know, you'll have a, a Big Ten team that's undefeated, but the other team that loses, if it's a close game, Ohio State or Michigan with one loss. Possibly the Pac-12 champ with one loss, the Big 12 champ with one loss. It's it's going to get real. It could get really, really interesting. Yeah, I, I think looking as far as because I always like to say we can game out a bunch of different oh, galaxy yeah. brain yeah. scenarios about what happens if two or three teams lose or what happens if Washington gets upset by Washington State in the Apple Cup this weekend, oh. but. In terms of outcomes that have actual likelihood to them, where you could say, and Vegas might reflect this. Alabama upsetting Georgia in the SEC championship game seems like the outcome that is the most most likely of those to actually yeah. happen and would have the most far-reaching effects for the rest of this in terms of who gets in, are there multiple teams from the same conference, how that right. all gets organized. I'm completely with you based on the way that Alabama's been playing. They get an easy win over, what was it, Chattanooga this weekend, so didn't yeah. really have to breathe too heavy in that one, but now you got the weirds of the Iron Bowl coming right. up that, Dad, <laughs> we never want to discount there, but Hugh Freeze's Auburn coming fresh off of one of those payday losses doesn't feel like they're walking into this with their full arsenal. 
Listen, if you're any conference but the SEC, you are hoping Georgia just goes undefeated and just beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. That knocks Alabama out of this thing. That it's just Georgia from the SEC and no talk of should Alabama be there if they beat Georgia. So that's what everybody is looking for. Just just get one team from the SEC, and the way to do that is for Georgia to take care of their business the rest of the way through. And again, all of this becomes a conversation, unfortunately, because of what happened with Jordan Travis in that Florida State team. We'll finish it off with this, that, and third next. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. All right, guys, time to finish off the show where we always do this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off on into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe us, rate us, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. But if you can't, for whatever reason, you can get us wherever you get your podcast. Each hour will be podcast on its own. And you can get us right here on YouTube immediately after the show ends at 10 a.m. So you don't got to wait any time if you want to hear and see our smiling faces. Uh, guys, uh... Let's get to this, that, and the third, and start off with this. This is one of the coolest stories in sports, and we have been meaning to get to it for a while, and shame on me for not pushing it up the flagpole earlier on here. As Aaron Matson and North Carolina pull off an unbelievable feat in the world of college field hockey, they win their fifth title in the last six years. And why is this special, you ask? Because Aaron Matson is just recently graduated. She won the previous four championships as a player, and then immediately upon graduating, took over as the head coach this year, as I believe a 23-year-old, mm-hmm. and won a 2-1 shootout against Northwestern this weekend to notch now her first national title as a coach. We have seen a lot of players go right from the heart would usually in basketball straight to the bench in something like the NBA but dad for someone who was on that team with these players last year to go out now and turn around and be able to coach them like this is one incredible for her and two deeply embarrassing for every coach that just got the dog walked on them (laughs) by this recent college graduate listen this is amazing I mean this is this is Big time division one, and this isn't just winning a few games. This is winning a national championship after you're a player. Imagine when you were 23, 24 years old, just finishing college. She's a little older than the 21 or 22 you normally do, but finishing. Imagine then just turning around and becoming the head coach of whatever college sports you played and leading that team. I, it, it blows my mind. I mean, she could be, imagine the length of time she could be a coach if she wanted to, starting out that early. Because a lot of, if you go through a lot of coaches' resumes, you Wikipedia an NFL coach and go about his background, you're going to see so many stops. And you're going to see him mostly starting 
after their collegiate career is over, they become a GA somewhere for a few years and an intern for a little while, not directly a head coach like Aaron did. So it is an incredible story to not only win as a player, but then to take over that team and win a championship yet again. She is the career scoring leader in the ACC and the NCAA tournament herself with 137 goals and 337 points. At 16, she became the youngest player to join the U.S. national team. So she is a full-on juggernaut. She seems to be the greatest thing that this sport has ever had to author. And now you're right. She is going to be the scourge for everybody else who already saw in year one coming in was able to pull off this kind of movement. So congratulations to Aaron Matson in North Carolina's field hockey for going out there and doing the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emerson, let's get to that. And speaking of doing the damn thing, roster cuts happen in the NFL. Yeah. Roster movement happens all the time. I have never seen a 51-year-old cut from an NFL team before. This I, one feels new. I was going to say, we're going from the NCAA's youngest Division One head coach to win a national championship to maybe the <laughs> oldest dude who's ever been cut from by an NFL team here. So, yeah, the Eagles officially waived offensive lineman Bernard Williams from the organization's reserve slash suspended list. Uh, he has not played in the NFL since 94, all right? So he just missed Golick by, what, a, a season or two there in Philly? Yeah, so, season, yeah. So he was suspended six games for the use of marijuana, then received a ban for the remainder of the season. Dude never applied for reinstatement here and just has remained on the team's suspended list ever since. So <laughs> what happened was the NFL, the NFL every now and then kind of clears away some books, so, some bookkeeping issues, and this was – players on reserve lists and they were trying to clear it out and they realized and then called Philadelphia and said you realize this guy from 1994 you never cleared him off off your (laughs) reserve list and he's been on there so basically part of the Eagles since 1994 as a bust uh, first round draft pick so they finally released him off that list 51, he was out driving his Amazon delivery route earlier in the week when he got a text from some dude who's like, bro, you were just released by the Eagles. (laughs) By the way, I hate the SB Nation account for saying he's now eligible to be claimed by any team in the NFL. (laughs) Oh, I know. They're so foul for that. That is so so beyond foul. (laughs) But, Dad, two questions that I have here. Well, Well, one's a question, one's a statement. One is... Is he now because he was on this reserve list a two-time Super Bowl champion? Yes. Because he's been on the he's been on the team technically. They had to cut him. So is he now two-time Super Bowl champion, uh, Bernard Williams? And the other question is: Is this the actual original inspiration for the movie Office Space? Because this is he is Milton from Office Space. He is a clerical error. He was fired, and he's been yeah. receiving paychecks, and now is down having his office and storage be at this point. Has, so maybe we yeah. need to remake Office Space since we're going to keep doing that, but do it with Bernard Williams and has, the Eagles instead. Has anyone seen his stapler? That's the question. Yeah, my stapler. And the biggest difference here is Bernard Williams has not been getting paychecks. Uh, no. I'm sure he would have loved him be yes. getting paychecks. That one that we know of. No, he has not been getting paychecks. I guarantee you the Eagles would have figured that one out before the league figured that one out. If they had been actually cutting this guy, it'd be like uh, what was uh, coming to America uh, when they're cutting the checks to the the guy who's uh, getting the inside information. Who is this person? It's Bernard Williams, former first-round pick. He's now 51 years old. Just give me that check. I'll handle it. Listen, stranger things have happened. Bernard, by the way, if you're listening, and you have been receiving those checks. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Yeah. You don't say anything. 
You don't tell anybody. No. You don't make them alert to any of that. If they figure it out after the fact, you know who's not going to say anything publicly? The Eagles, because that would be humiliating for Howie Roseman, yep. who's lauded as this GM, and for an organization that gets all the front office credit in the world. It'd be pretty embarrassing if you had been paying a 51-year-old driving an Amazon truck to play for your football team all of this time. So they're not going to talk about it, and you don't need to talk about it. That money is yours, and it's going to stay yours, and you have earned it however you deem that necessary to justify in your head. you got to get this Boy, guy that, on that the show. Would, you guys need that, to talk that, to this dude. Yes, we do. That was that was an area where they really had a lot of bad first-round picks. Anton Davis, offensive tackle, was there when I was there. He was a bust. Leonard Renfro, after I had left a D-tackle, he was a bust. Mike Mamula, remember the workout warrior uh, at the Combine, what he did, and he was a bust, and obviously Bernard Williams. So, yeah, they had struggled right in that area of, of first-round picks. Dad, dad slipping in the first rounder, the slander that on his way out was the guy that Philadelphia put in there over him. You see what you lost. You see what you guys gave away and the decisions you made, Philadelphia. You should be ashamed of yourselves there. You ruined a perfectly good thing, and you let him walk out of the building there. See, senior, don't give up, man. You could, you could go back. This guy played until he was 51. He didn't play. That is true. He didn't play. open now, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Philadelphia hey, Eagles, oh. they need to claim my father off waivers yeah. now. They've got the opportunity to fill their quota for 50-plus-year-olds on this oh, roster. I, Guys, well, we've, I, yeah, go I ahead, would Dad. fit right in there with Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Fletcher yeah. Cox. Yeah, let's move okay. on, shall we? I was going to say, hey, listen. Let's get to the third here and get to – he Williams played in the Canadian Football League, and it's all smiles and pure satisfaction in the Canadian football football league from the Montreal Alouettes. They won the first their first Grey Cup since 2010, pulling off the upset victory here, Junior, over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the 110th Grey Cup, 28-24. They were seven and a half point underdogs. I can tell you this. Oh, congratulations to them. Didn't watch a lick of the CFL this yep. year. Appreciate the CFL. Moonlighted in training camp with the CFL. Dad, mm -hmm. your fa your late father yes. played in the CFL. So <clears throat> this is your ballpark here. The Montreal Alouettes, one of the teams that my grandpa Lou played for. Yep, he played for Montreal. He played for Saskatchewan. He played for Hamilton. We still have the satin Hamilton tie cat jacket with the tiger cat on the back of it. It's an awesome so jacket. Sick. But yeah, my dad uh, spent his uh, his entire career, football career after college, uh, in the CFL. So I always love seeing that. You know, every now and then I catch a little bit of it, not a ton of it. But congrats to Montreal, as Emerson said, hadn't won one since 2010, and Winnipeg had been there for about what about four years in a row. So congrats to Montreal on the late drive for the win and the cup. Dude, you're celebrating pretty hard there. Right uh, my, I, I bet they are. I did one training camp up there, and ever since then, every time I do a hit for a TSN radio station, I am introduced as Montreal Alouettes alumni. <laughs> Some of them will even say <laughs> legend. That's not for me to say. That's for them it's to on say. Your LinkedIn you agree, page. download, subscribe, rate, review this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Have a great night. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll talk to you tomorrow.